right now, Pastor Stanley's asked me to uh, share a little bit with you, share uh, my heart with you about some stuff that's been going on in uh, lives of my family. It's awesome. Um, asked me to share my heart with you, the church. I did this first service to you. Um, Bible says for all things, there is a season, right? The seasons change. The Bible says for all things, there is a season. Um, about 14 months ago, uh, the Lord began to speak to my wife and I separately. And uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more in touch with my feelings and or I can interpret my feelings through God than my wife. She's a spreadsheet list person, right? So feelings don't mean a lot to her a lot of times. And uh, she's an accountant, okay? Give her a break. She's great at what she does. Um, but she came to me, uh, and, and I came to her kind of separately. And for the first time in 10 years, this, we'd been at this church 10 years. We've been here 11 years now. This was 14 months ago. The Lord was speaking to us both about what might be next for us after this church. And a huge surprise to me um, because I'm not uh, the kind of guy that's always looking for the next thing. Um, you need to know that uh, I'm not someone who's looking to climb the ladder. I, that is not my deal at all. Uh, I like to find a thing and do it and do the best I can at it and just be there. That's, that's who I am. My granddad was that way. He lived in Idaho for 50 years. My dad uh, is a dentist in Boise. He's had the same dental practice in the same area for 30 years. I mean, that's just what we do. That's just who we are. Uh, the first church I was a youth pastor at in Nampa. I was there for six years, and I thought I would be there forever. Like, I went there intending to be there forever when I came here. Um, you know, I have enough wisdom to know not anything lasts forever, but never planned on doing anything else. Um, I was a youth pastor, last one, um, worship pastor here. Um, so I began to think and pray about, man, what, like, what's going on, Lord? And felt the Lord really leading me towards being senior pastor, or campus pastor somewhere. And obviously, choice one was not to try to supplant Pastor Stan. Not going to try that. So, um, uh, it's just what God was speaking. And again, that is unusual for me because it's never a thing I aspire to do. Uh, I said yesterday when I was talking to the worship team that I've probably been asked 50 times in my life if I want to be a senior pastor. And that's a low number. It's probably 100 times at least. I mean, I've been asked over and over again since I, you know, was called to ministry when I was 15. Um, and when I was in college and since I've been in ministry. And it's just never a thing that I wanted to do, like, for myself. Um, I told First Service that I was a youth pastor first, and I liked doing that because teenagers are a little simpler, and I could understand them, and I could send home to their parents when I was done with them, right? <laughs> yeah, I gave you your two hours, and I'd go home to your parents, and your parents can deal with them. Um, and adults were a little scarier, and, and it's just never a thing I aspired to do. Um, and when I came here, it was never a thing that I was thinking I would move towards. So um, when God began to speak that, it was unusual for me. It took me a little bit to get my heart, my mind around it. So I did another unusual thing, and I went and I told Pastor Stan. So if you're not familiar with the way churches work, uh, uh, it's not a good idea to go tell your boss that you want to have the same job as him somewhere else, because they'll just tell you to hit the, hit the road. Uh, but I know Pastor Stan, him and I are very close, uh, considering one of my closest friends, and I knew he wouldn't react that way. So I came back, uh, we were at the Oregon coast and came back and um, went in and talked to him and he reacted graciously just like I thought he would. He said, well, that's amazing. Like God's put that call in your life and we should have you preach more and we should have you do more stuff helping run the church. And I got to run the annual business meeting last year because he was sick. So maybe he planned that, I don't know. Maybe he weren't really sick, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, all that to say, we feel specifically called to the Treasure Valley. We don't feel like we're supposed to leave this valley. Boise, Nampa, Meridian, Caldwell, CUNA. Eagle. Um, it would be easier if um, we did because there's all kinds of jobs other places. But these types of jobs, they're not super common in the Treasure Valley. So this was, again, 14 months ago, put a feeler or two out. And then uh, the thing that's been in the news happened, COVID happened, right? And it put everything at every place on pause. And uh, kind of just changed the way it was going. And, and my focus was no, certainly not on the next place I would be. It was, man, how do I help this place be um, the best it can. And I'm so proud of this church and that when that happened, we weren't like, oh man, what do we do? We knew that you would take care of us as a church. Uh, we had our online thing figured out. Other churches were calling us saying, hey, help us get to where you are. I'm so proud of that, uh, what this church is all about. And we were able to reach people with the gospel that whole time. Um, uh, so we kind of got through that. And in the last little while, uh, Pastor Stan and I both felt some things shift in our hearts. Um, and I, we don't have anywhere we're going yet. Um, but that it's time for us and, and for CLC to prepare for whatever is next. And I don't know what it is. I wish I did. I wish I got to decide when the season changed, but I don't. 
Um, I wish I could tell you what the future holds, but we don't know, and I underlined my little thing here, yet. We don't know yet. Uh, for all things, there is a season. For all things, there's a season. So where it stands is this. There's a couple things in the Treasure Valley that uh, are intriguing to us, but nothing concrete happening at all. I don't have any interviews. I don't have anything like that. But at the same time, Pastor Shannon and I both felt in our hearts something's changing. So we thought it was an appropriate time to let you know about it. So as for this church, we're not going anywhere yet. Um, and my family's just not here today because they're not feeling well, by the way. But we're not going anywhere yet. Um, uh, this is the, the God's honest truth. It's been one of the greatest honors in my life to lead worship at this church. Um, why would you not want to do what we did a few minutes ago together, right? Um, one of the greatest honors in my life to lead worship at this church and begin and raise my family here with you. Um, just something I'll never forget. And I'm grateful to, for, to Pastor Shane for how he, uh, how he allows us to do our jobs here. I, I hope I've learned enough to do a good job of that if I have the chance. Um, I'm proud of what we do here. I'm proud of this church. Um, so my, my hope and my prayer is for it to continue to get better after we leave. Um, not a lot of you have been here for, you know, over 10 years, but uh, it's changed a lot in the past 10 years. Uh, we do a ton of stuff we didn't used to do. And uh, my hope and prayer is that it gets better after we leave. And uh, my focus is going to shift to preparing the worship team and the tech guys and all that stuff to make it, uh, have it continue to get better after we go. Um, and so starting in January, I'm going to lead worship like normal in December. I get to lead Christmas songs again. I told the band yesterday, when I first started this job, I did not like doing Christmas songs because they were hard. And it was hard to find ones that were fun and good to sing. But I love it now. So I'm excited to do that, excited to lead on Christmas Eve. Uh, but God has brought uh, Pastor Stevie and Kristen here. Uh, and on January 1st, I'm going to start turning worship over to her. Uh, you're going to see her lead most of the songs. You may see me lead one every once in a while. I'll probably still be playing, helping the tech guys and all that sort of stuff. You'll see me up here, and we're not just going to disappear on the 1st. Um, but I'll be doing my best to train and prepare everyone that I can. Uh, we believe that uh, Pastor Stevie and Kristen have been brought here for a time such as this. God does that, right? He moves people, he moves the pieces. And 14 months ago, he knew where they needed to be at this time. Um, and he started to speak in us for a reason 14 months ago. I want you to understand uh, that I'm willingly turning this over to Kristen. Um, it's not being yanked away from me. It's not a hostile takeover. Um, I'm willingly turn it. Turn, you laugh. Hey, that happens at churches. Believe it or not, that happens. Uh, I'm willingly turning it over to her. I love their heart. The little bit of time I got to spend with them has been awesome. Um, but I believe God is in it. I believe God is in wherever we have next. I believe God is in uh, what they have here. Um, so uh, you'll see us uh, worship together. You'll see us working together to make it as good and as smooth as we can. Uh, but the bottom line is that we feel the Lord is moving, the season possibly changing. And we, like my family, we want to be as ready for it as we can. And we also want CLC to be as ready for it as they can. So we're going to do our best to make it good and smooth. Um, the thought of eventually not being here uh, it's hard and it's bittersweet because we love this church. We do. And uh, we've, we had not been married long when we got here. And uh, we started our family here. But we've got to follow where God leads, wherever that is. And I'm excited about it, wherever it ends up being. Three or four years ago, you could not have gotten me excited about possibly being a senior pastor somewhere. <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm being honest with you. But I'm excited about it. God's put that in there. I hope you experience that in your life in some way where God puts a new thing in you. And you've got to go figure out how to get to it. I'm so grateful to Pastor Stan for allowing us to work here while figuring this out. I'm telling you, it was unusual. Um, Pastor Stan is better at uh, how he treats his staff than a lot of guys. And I'm grateful for him for allowing that. The last thing I'll say is just that we cover your prayers as we walk through this. Because um, it's never fun to not know what's next, right? Um, for all things, there is a season. Feel the season's changing. I wish I got to define the beginning and the end and where it will be. So we just ask you to pray for us and that we're planning on being around for as long as we need to. Um, and uh, I would encourage you uh, but to come find me. If you hear anything weird, I said first service, you know, you hear we, uh, you know, going to pastor the scientists in Antarctica, come find me and ask me about it, right? Um, if you hear anything crazy like that or you hear rumors or whatever, we have totally nothing to hide. Like, we're excited about what God is doing for us somewhere, excited about what God is doing here, excited to be in the middle of all of it, grateful to be part of this church. So just wanted to update you, let you know what's going on, and that's the story. So. Hey, man, thank you. Love you. I'm excited, excited for him because I've been where he's at. Man, it is a scary thing, and 
Brother, you might have just prophesied Antarctica. Um, I'm not sure that Chandra might not like the cold, but, um, but I just, I want you to know Pastor John has meant so much to me in these years. And, um, you know, it's, again, something we've talked about for about a year and a half. And there's nothing really that excites me more than seeing somebody answer God's call. And um, again, just so you know, he's not fired. He still has a paycheck. You know, we're probably looking at least till the end of January, maybe longer. We don't know what it looks like yet. Um, like you said, there's a couple opportunities that, it may happen, but they may not. We just don't know. And what I do know is that, that when we make the plans, it usually doesn't turn out as good as when we follow God's plan. Amen. And so, so that's what it's going to look like. Um, it's just, we're going to do this the right way. And, and I did not know what he wrote. I didn't hand him. I guess I'm discovering um, that there's sometimes senior pastors will hand you what you're going to read to the church. <laughs> and I'm like, what? That's crazy. So I had no idea what he wrote down. Um, why? Because I trust him. And he's family. And so, again, I'm excited, sad at the same time, because, you know, all the stuff that you see is kind of stuff that he did, you know, the projector and putting that stuff up and uh, making everything as excellent as we can. So I'm excited about this future, and he's going to make a great pastor. He really is. There's some church that needs him um, and his style of ministry. And so that's a cool thing. So, again, you can be sad and, and happy at the same time. And that's part of church life. So um, again, just thank you so much for being here today. And um, you know, if it's your very first time, we don't do this every week, just so you know. Like, just, like I said, we've, our staff has been here for a long time. Um, with Steve and Kristen being here is great because Kristen, again, was, she was in diapers, actually before diapers. My wife's very close to her family. So Pastor Chase, if you don't know, was in diapers, the first church we were youth pastors at, and now we have Kristen. So we have, we're kind of aging that's what I've realized. I'm like, these guys are in their late 20s and, and we knew them in diapers, but it's cool how, how God just does stuff. Amen. He really does. His timing is always perfect. Not always understandable, but always perfect. And so we're in a series called Understanding the Seasons of Life. I uh, don't want to hold you a long time today, but long enough that hopefully you will leave this place different than you came in. Um, and everybody has a call. And my goal as a pastor is to see you answer the call that God has set on your life, um, whatever that is, that you would answer that call. For some of you right now, is to be a simple grandparent. That's the call. God's like, hey, I got this. this is a season. You just grandparent those kids and love on them. Um, there's a lot of seasons that we go through. Um, what we oftentimes struggle with is, is not necessarily the what God has called me to do, but it's the when God has called me to do it because God's timing is always perfect. Um, in Ephesians 4.11, I want to read you scripture before we get into the main story. Is it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, who was it that gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists? Who, who was it? It was God. It wasn't a self-proclaimed, oh, I just want to be a pastor. Um, matter of fact, Pastor Hood, um, Kristen's grandfather, was, was our pastor. And in Bible college, he said, you know, if you're not called to ministry, don't go into it. He said, they, you will get chewed up and spit out. He said, you have to be called to stay in there. And um, I appreciated those words because ministry can be rough sometimes. You're dealing with emotions. You're dealing with a lot of things. Uh, but my wife and I are 30 years into it, and we love it more than ever. We love our church family. We love where we're going. We love that new building that we can see out there when we drive up. Y'all didn't see it today? Need to have a little bit more faith. We picture it out there. Um, you know, that's kind of our next step this next year. We're looking into that. And so it's an exciting time to see what God is up to. Uh, we have had some staff pastors that have went on to pastor churches. Uh, Rich and Marla um, Burdine, uh, they're pastoring a church. Pastor Robin Megan, uh, they planted a church. And so I'm excited to see what God is going to do with Pastor John and Chandra. I really am looking forward to meeting him at our district things and um, just seeing what God is doing. So it's going to be a good thing. So my heart, again, is to see people succeed in the call that God has on their life. And that's a win for me is to see people answer the call. So let's go back to First Kings. I mean, if you haven't been with us, we're in a series called, again, Understanding the Seasons of Life. This is part three. Uh, we've been going through the story of Elijah. And if you haven't heard anything, let me give you a little briefing on what has happened. So Elijah was a prophet, and God says, I need you to go tell Ahab. Ahab was an evil king of Israel. I need you to go tell him that there's not gonna rain. There's gonna be a famine. There's gonna be a drought. I'm gonna punish Ahab for how he has led this nation. So Elijah goes, he tells him, Okay, bad things are going to happen. It's not going to rain except at my word. And then God says, go hide in this place called Kareth. And so he goes into this ravine where there's a brook, and it's called the Kareth Ravine. So he goes there. He's fed by ravens. He gets meat and bread in the morning, meat and bread at night. He's just kicking back. We don't know how long. We know that the, the, the rain wasn't going to come for at least two years. Uh, so he's there, and all of a sudden the brook dries up. And he's like, whoa, where'd 
my water go? You know, and, and it's interesting because the very thing that he was told to do was the very thing that caused the brook drying up. So sometimes obedience can actually cause things that you don't understand. And so the brook dries up, and, and he's like, okay, I was kind of comfortable, everything's cool. And God says, okay, uh, in verse seven, sometimes, sometimes I'm talking too fast. I have, yeah, <laughs> breathe. And I only had one cup of coffee early this morning. I was excited you're here, all right? Truthfully is there's a lot of stuff I gotta cover and I wanna hold you all day. I should have got a good amen out of that. Uh, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him and he said, go at once. Okay, we talked about last week that when God says go at once, you better go at once. Why? Because there's a timing issue. He was going to meet this widow who was collecting sticks at the gate to build a fire, to make some food so her and her son could eat one last meal and die. That was kind of her, that was her mentality. And so the timing had to be perfect for Elijah to get to the gate to see this woman collecting sticks. And so uh, what I didn't tell you last week is Elijah goes to the Kareth Ravine. Kareth means to whittle or to carve, okay? To, to whittle or to carve. And there's times in our lives that God whittles a little bit away. He carves a little bit away. Um, and then this brook dries up. Okay, it symbolizes the things in our lives that cause us to move on to our next assignment. Now, God says, go at once to Zarephath. Zarephath is about 75 miles away from Kareth. The problem with Zarephath is, is it was a place of metal mining and smelting. And it got its name, Zarephath, because it means crucible. <laughs> it means to melt. It means to, to refine metal. It means heat. So you're going from whittle, 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 not too bad, to a complete shave. I mean, you're talking, you know, a little off the top, and then they're like, no, not only that, we're doing your arms and your legs, and we're, you're gonna be completely a hairless person by the time we're done with you. I wouldn't wanna go to a barber like that. But I, I prefer just a little off the top. <laughs> but when you don't have much on the top, you don't take much anymore. Like, as I've gotten older, my, because I do my own haircuts, explains a lot. Um, even though my daughter does it professionally, I just look at myself and go, you need a haircut. And so I use the things I have wife, my wife do the back. Uh, but I've gotten, I've gotten a little bit longer toward the end. Like I'm gonna leave just a little more on top because it's thinning, right? It's thinning just a bit, right? So I'm gonna save what I can. Um, even in the video yesterday, you may see my video of me flocking the tree. I was I'm singing my little song. I was like, I didn't notice the flocking and I thought your hair is really white. So my granddaughter has been telling me the truth. She said, Papa, why is your hair white? I said, I'm not white, because in the mirror, it looks fine. And in the mirror, you can't see the bald spot. So we have a bunch of men right now who, they, they're not in denial. They just don't know. There's a, there's a bald spot in the back. So just keep your head up. Are we saying that today? That's why. Because if you keep your head down, you see the spot. So keep your head up. The problem is when you're 5'6", everybody sees the spot anyway, but Whatever. Oh, full head of hair when I'm in heaven. Yeah, I'm going to recognize him. It's going to be long and flowing like Fabio. Just, you'd be like, who's that guy? Oh, all right. Speaking of hair, Elijah would not have had a haircut for a long time. So he probably looks pretty crazy at this point. So he goes to the gate. <laughs> you know, he goes from whittle carve to, to crucible. Don't ever ask, could it get any worse? <laughs> Don't ask that question because it can get worse. Michelangelo, I've read the story about where he, he sculpted the statue of David out of marble. And the story is, goes, somebody asked him, how did you do that? How did you, how did you carve David out of that big piece of marble? And, and, and Michelangelo's answer was amazing. He said, well, David was always in there. I just had to chip away what didn't belong. I thought, what an amazing thing. And that's what God sees in you today. He sees something in you, but he's got to chip some things away to get you to where he wants you to be. And I love that example. Why? Because there is really greatness in you. There really is. God put greatness in you, but we have to go through a process to get chipped away of the things that God says, you know, this is just a hindrance to you. Even, even the rock, I wrote a story years ago about the rock that David picked out of the brook. Why did he pick? He picked five rocks, but why did he do that? Because he saw something in that rock that he knew they would fly true. But that rock did not start out round. The rock started way upstream, so it went through a series of rainstorms and trials and tribulations and tumblings and going from where he was to where he needed to be. It took a, a, a process and it took a lot off that rock to make it what David needed and David noticed it. Why? Because he knew it was going to fly true. And that's what God is doing to a lot of us, probably actually all of us. 
we're in the tumblings of life and we're going down and we're like, what in the world is going on? And God's like, be patient. The storms have a purpose, knocking some rough edges off of you because I have somebody down the line that needs to slay a giant and you're the one that they're gonna pick. So, so don't despise the hard times in life. God is doing something to you when you don't see it. So, so the brook dries up, Elijah obeys God. He obeys God, there's a widow that needs a miracle. Uh, and we, we talked about others will be blessed by your obedience, that your call is not for you. God called you to do something, but it's not for you. And what's good for the sheep is not always convenient for the shepherd. Welcome to ministry. <laughs> if you're in ministry, it's not convenient for our worship team to get up at you know, dark 30 and get here at 7.30 on a Sunday morning. And, and everybody's always chipper on a Sunday morning, right? Guys, they're musicians. They're emotional. We know musicians can be emotional. That's the way God made it. Why do you think David's always crying, right? He was a musician. I didn't go here first service. I probably should just stop and keep going. Um, but if you're married to a musician, or I mean, you know, there's, there's emotion. Why? Because that's part of the gift, right, Christian? You, the part of the gift is the emotion. You feel stuff, and, and God does that. Uh, and so, so our team shows up here on a Sunday morning early. It's not always convenient to do that, but what do they do it for? They do it for the flock. They do it for the sheep because we need to do the best that we can. So there's always a purpose in your positioning. There's always a purpose in your positioning. When I was younger, my dad, I pretty much every day got spankings because um, I deserved a master. I was just, you know, you know, he knows me. I was just ornery. I've matured some since. Um, and, and my dad, I remember one particular time I did some, I don't even remember what I did because it was a long list of things. And my dad used to say, grab your ankles because I, I got spanked. That was back when spanking was legal. Um, it's biblical, and I wish it was, yeah, it needs to be done, but that's, that's a different message. And my dad said, grab your ankles, so I did this. And he said, that's not your ankles. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Dad, you got a, the heights thing here, right? Uh, I think he was looking for a golf swing, but, so I grabbed my ankles, and I'd just get whacked, and, and I deserved it. I mean, I was always doing stuff in order to get spanked. And why did dad put me in that position? Number one, that it's not a spanking unless it hurts. Right. It's true, right? It's, it's got to invoke some a manner of pain for it to be a spanking. Now, there's a story that I'm contemplating telling. Um, I will just tell you, my, my daughter's a very good mom, and my granddaughter did something that deserved a spanking the other day, so she got one, and Kayla turns around and looks, she's like, that didn't hurt. That's what she said, that didn't hurt. <laughs> Papa's just going, it's gotta hurt, right? And mommy's just trying to be mom, right? There's a compassionate side. And so, uh, the one thing that I discovered as a kid is you screamed before you even got to your rear end, right? Just like, ah! And then they knew you were faking it, and then you got it worse. So um, I did try a book one time. I think it was, a, it was an Archie comic book that I stuck down my pants. And my, my dad had done it enough to know that the sound was different than normal, right? But I think I got credit for trying. Uh, so there's always a purpose in your positioning, right? If you're in leadership at all, you understand this. Now, now something happens in this story that neither Elijah nor the widow see coming, uh, and, and so we'll start off with, oh, let's go to verse 14 so you have an idea of what's happening. It says, for this is what the, the, the Lord, the word, the God of Israel says. He, he says, hey, go get me a drink of water. She said, okay. He said, can you bring me some food? She says, I don't have any. So I got a little bit of flour. I got a little bit of oil. I'm gonna make some bread, cook it, and then we're gonna die. That was where she was at emotionally. And he said, well, make me some first, um, which sounded a little selfish, but it was actually a test. And this is what he said. You make me some first, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So she went away and she did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah for, and for the woman and her family. And in verse 15, I wanna tell you this, action has to be applied to information. Action has to be applied to you. You give out information, and, and many of you are in leadership or you have people that you're over, and you give them information, but what they do with it is what really matters. You can give them information. Scott has stories of, because he was a safety manager, he has stories of people you know, smashing their fingers off and, and sticking their fingers in places they shouldn't be in machinery, and then he's got to deal with it. And so I get to hear all these really cool stories about people not using wisdom, Okay, of just doing stuff that you're like, oh, and it's like, that's why Scott has a job as a safety manager. Why? Because we can't manage ourselves. 
right? If we learn not to stick our fingers in the place of the, st- some of those stickers are for people like those people. Like, do not put finger in chainsaw. Seems like common sense, but you know why the sign is there is because somebody put their finger in a chainsaw, okay? Or they shut their finger in. And, and there's, there's this, we just have this ability to do things that have bad consequences, okay? And that's why we have safety managers. I today am your personal safety manager spiritually. <laughs> Quit sinning, bad thing gonna happen, okay? Uh, that's my job is to tell you what the word of God says so that we don't do some of the dumb things that, that we will tend to do that God has to forgive us for, all right? And so action has to be applied to this information. She gets the information, he says, hey, go do this. And, and this is what's gonna happen. If you make me some first, you're gonna always have oil and flour, that's like a promise. And so what did she do? She actually took the information and she did as Elijah had told her and they had food. In verse 17, this is where things go kind of sideways because neither of them see the tragedy that's about to happen. It's sometime later, verse 17, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. And she said to Elijah, she says this out of emotion. It's kind of a weird thing that she says. She says, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? I mean, this is a a mom who is a recent widow. We don't know how long her husband had died, but she's holding her son. So we know that he's not 17 years old. The guess is probably two to three years old that she's holding him. So she still has these wounds from her husband dying. And now her son gets taken. And she says this really weird thing. What do you have against me, man of God? She knew he was a man of God. Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Emotionally, she was just in this really strange place. And I wanna tell you something, that guys, that God will never remind you of your sin to punish you. He will never bring your sin up, especially sin that you have been forgiven of. He will never bring that back. He might remember or say, hey, remember the consequence? But he will not hold your sin against you if, if your sin is forgiven. So if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, for number one, I wanna tell you, hell is a real place. Hell is a real place. Heaven and hell, they are both real places. The last place that Satan wants you to believe in is hell. But hell is a real place. It is a place that if you do not give your life to Jesus Christ, you will spend for eternity in in a burning, fiery pit. Read the end of the book. It's true. That's what happens. That's why I'm here today. Because if hell wasn't real, I'd be off snowmobiling or something. Right? Why would I show up on a Sunday morning? I'd be But I'm obeying God's call. Why? Because heaven and hell are real. So if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you have to in order to go to heaven. Not just because you're cute. Okay? You can't get into Disneyland just because you're cute. You have to have a what? Oh, wait, COVID's here. You can't get into Disneyland anyway, but um, that's beside the point. All right? Jesus, he came to die on a cross so that we can go to heaven. At the end of this message, you're gonna have a chance to give your life to him. Now, if I just scared you, you can just personally say, God, please forgive me and come into my life right now. Because we don't know when the rapture could happen. Right. Amen? So if you're not right with Jesus, let me not wait till the end of the message. Get right with Jesus right now. Yeah. Repent of your sins. Say, Jesus, please come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Okay, that's a good thing to do. Amen? Right. It's not just a good thing to do. It's really, it's the only way to heaven. And I'm really, really serious about that. I'm glad God gave me a second chance. But don't wait another day because you don't know when your time is. Right. Amen? You know why you don't know when your time is? Because you goof off until that time. Be like, ah, oh, December 24th. Yeah, I got like another week and a half to do what I want. You know, we don't know the day or the hour when Jesus is coming back. and We don't know the day of our last breath, so we need to be ready today. Amen? <laughs> Some people got really quiet, like, am I right with God? Well, be right with God. Make sure you're right with God. I got saved twice as a kid. Once in Sunday school and once at a youth camp where the guy preached on hell. He literally scared it out of me. I'm like, I'm gonna go to the altar and I'm gonna make sure I give, give my life to Christ. That was when I was 13. So weird moment of emotion. Okay, probably more of a statement. If you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son, let me tell you something. God is not gonna punish you by taking your son or your daughter or causing something else to happen. God's not like that. And, and then Elijah says, give me your son. Elijah replied, he took him from her arms. Again, I'm thinking he's little, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and he, told, and he laid him on his bed and, and then he cried out to the Lord. Oh Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this woman I'm staying with by causing her son to die? It's a question. 
And then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and he cried out to the Lord, oh Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry and I will tell you guys, he will always hear your cry. And the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and he carried him. Now, can you imagine that? Elijah picking up what little whatever his name was and just taking him down those stairs to his mom. That moment, the little boy's just smiling. And, and, and we don't know what the moment, but it had to be amazing. He carried him down the room to the house and he gave him to his mom. And he said, look, your son's alive. And now then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Let's talk about uh, what we just read. So another miracle is needed. The son dies. Another miracle is needed and one that has not been performed in biblical history. This is the first recorded time when someone was brought back to life. So it wasn't like Elijah had this, oh, well, I've done this lots of times. Lady, don't worry. We got this, right? I raise people from the dead all the time. This had never happened in biblical history. First recorded instance the widow had no idea what Elijah was capable of or the God that he served was capable of. She was at her wit's end. She just didn't know what to do. And Elijah was like, okay, we've got to do something about this. Okay, another miracle is needed, someone to be raised from the dead. In verse 19, something jumped out at me this week after I'd already written the message. Uh, and it was a statement that I've read many, many times. And Elijah said to this woman, give me your son. Give me your son. Give me your son. What is it in your life that you need to give up in order to get the miracle? Because she had to give up what she was holding in order to get the miracle. Okay? I'm not sure if you understand. Pastor Steve, we just come up because we got this illustration. He, he did this, but I'm going to change it up a little bit because he cheated. I'm moving stuff. All right. So Pastor Stevie, I want you to hold on to these softballs tightly, okay? He's got a whole good, okay, that's what he's holding on to. I have something better, okay? I have a brand new 2000 Corvette that's yours for the taking, but you have to use your fingers to pick it up. So you can choose to hold on to what you got, okay? And see, look, he's, he's gonna be, okay? Oh, that, I was hoping that would happen. All right. Okay, what, what do you got to do? Can, can you drive like that? He probably does drive like that, right? <laughs> I know where he's from. But what literally, what would you really have to do to grasp a hold of the, the upside down Corvette? Um, what do you got to do to really grasp the Corvette? Drop something. Okay, what do you need to drop? Somebody like, now you're meddling because I was on the way home going to tell my wife what I really thought. And now you just told me to drop something. You have to know what to let go of to grasp the something that's even better. Okay? This woman had to give up something that was dead in order to get it back to be alive. Amen. What are you holding on to that God wants you to let go of? Amen. Thanks, Pastor Stevie. We could just, just a little clap. That's good. That's good. Don't give, don't give him too big a clap. It'll go to his head. Um, Right home. So that was the best illustration ever because I was in it. Um, if you didn't hear him preach on the Wednesday night a couple nights ago, you got to go back and listen to it because he, he talked about that. It was really good. Uh, but you got to know what to let go of because we, we want to hold on to things even that are good. And, and in the process, we can't get what's great. And new Corvettes are great. They really are. So I had a, a friend of ours, pastor's friends of ours, when I took a picture of the Corvettes, like you saw, I posted it, and they were on asphalt. Like, I went out and laid down. I took this really, because it looked real. And we seriously had a pastor's wife say, did that really happen? She thought you guys bought us brand new Corvettes. So I need you to uh, make her dreams come true. Um, no, don't you dare. That used to be a thing, actually. I'd be embarrassed for a little while. Um, <laughs> do you think CLC1 on there would be kind of cool? I wouldn't drive it, just so you know. Um, yeah. So if you're brand new, I'm not like that. I do love Corvettes, but it, it, that, that would be a waste of church money. Amen. It would probably catch on fire the first time I drove it. Actually, the wheels might. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Um, so you got to know where to let go of it. She had to give up what was dead to, to see something come alive. And again, this was new territory for them. Elijah wasn't like, oh, no, give me. I, you know. he, he was like, okay, God. He said, 
have you brought tragedy? Now, again, we can read this and think it's an accusation because her tone was accusatory. Have you come here to remind me of my sin and kill me? She's like, and again, we gotta be graceful for the emotion that this woman had. She just lost her son. She had just lost her husband. And I don't think we're as graceful as we should be sometimes as Christians for people that are in an emotional state. We need to be a little more loving, a little more caring, a little more understanding of where they are. And Elijah seemed to be that. And I also wanna point out something that in this culture, they would have likely had two meals together every day. So I want you to think about the emotion of it because sometimes we can read the story and not think about like they're real people. This is a widow who lost his son. We got this, we'll just call him Harry Elijah because I don't know if there was a man bun thing back then, but maybe, uh, but maybe he had had her care, maybe not. But Elijah was in this woman's home almost as acting as a husband. He was providing for her. This little boy, again, we're guessing two or three years old, probably knew Elijah very well. They had dinner together. They had lunch together. They had time together. This little boy probably looked at him as a father figure. And Elijah didn't know that Elijah had a family or not. I don't think he did. He sees this little boy as his little man. I mean, we don't, we don't know this relationship, but I can tell you they were probably pretty close. Hey, little guy, come here. So the, the emotion that Elijah would have had, as you can tell, is coming out is my little man's gone. Lord, Lord, have you, have you also brought tragedy upon the widow I'm staying with by causing her son? God, is, is this you, Lord? Did you cause this? Because we didn't see it coming to know it was gonna happen. And, and again, it's a question and not an accusation. Guys, but let me tell you something. Even when it is an accusation, God is big enough to handle your emotions. Some of you may feel like, oh, I've offended God and I've said stuff and I shouldn't have said it. No, he's probably mad at me. God's not mad at you. He's not mad. If he was mad at you, he'd have went, Boop, long time ago, right? He's not mad at you. He loves you. He understands your emotion. And you might, you might be at that spot in your life where you feel like, man, I've just made a mess with my walk with God and how could he accept me back? If you read the prodigal son, God's arms are always open, right? He just wants you to come home. He's not mad at you. He just wants to forgive you. That's the God that we serve. God is not your earthly father. And some of you had a bad experience. Matter of fact, I'm about to say a lot of you had a bad experience with the earthly dad not being loving. God is not like that. God loves us so much. Again, he sent his only son so that we could know who he is. So Elijah, he, he prays this prayer. Lord, have, have you brought tragedy on this woman too by causing her to die? And, and God's like, no, I have something that I'm doing in this woman's life. And, and as we read the rest of the story, um, we'll understand the why, okay? Again, Elijah, I believe his heart is broke here. Psalms 34, 18 says this. This, is, this might be for you this morning, that God is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Does that sound like an angry God to you? Does that sound like a God who's ready just to flick you whenever you do wrong? Or does that sound like a God who says, son, daughter, I know you're, you're broken. You're, you're hurting, you're addicted. I, I get that, but I love you so much. I love you despite your pain, despite the mistakes, despite the things that you have done that make such a big mess. Does that sound like a mean God right there? Now, God's a God of his word. He will punish sin. And if you do not repent of your sin, he has to punish it. But God's heart is always restoration, always. God is always looking for restoration. That's why he gives us so many opportunities to repent. That's why he punished Ahab. He's going, Ahab, there's gonna be a tragedy. There's gonna be no food. Okay, I just want you to repent because God could have flicked Ahab. He could have, but he's offering an extra chance for Ahab and the, the, the nation of Israel to get right back with God. But God is about to do something in this widow's life that is amazing. God is near to the brokenhearted, and if that's you today, if your heart is broke, God's near to you. He loves you. He understands what you're facing. You just need to maybe hold him just a little tighter, not run from him, but run to him in your tragedy and your pain. And he saves those who are what? Crushed in spirit. He doesn't say those without a spirit. He says that they're crushed, and some of you might feel that today. And this widow, at this point in her life, her spirit was crushed. Now, can you imagine her going, God, my, my husband's gone, and now my son? I mean, the, the kind of pain, some of you in our church family have experienced that kind of pain. And, and, and that verse, I hope, speaks to you that God is near to you who are crushed in spirit. That God does see your pain today and he doesn't always fix it like we want him to. He always, doesn't always bring back the things that are gone. But he will help us through it. He is in the fire. Again, he doesn't take the fire away. He refines us through it most of the time. And Elijah was in Kareth. He was, he was in the crucible. He was in a, a place that he had never been before. But then a miracle was performed that had never happened. 
We live in a broken, fallen world, but he is there. God is there. He's with you. And he doesn't promise to fix all your problems, but he does promise heaven to those who love him. So it does end well for the Christian. It does end well. Sometimes you've got to look beyond what we're facing right now and go, okay, God's in control. Proverbs 21, okay, if you're concerned about what's going on in America right now with our leadership and the presidential, go read Proverbs 21, verse 1, and you'll be like, oh, okay, God's got this. He's got this, because sometimes we all need to be reminded that God's got this, right? You ever been driving and your wife's freaking out and you just look over and say, I got this? Okay, I got this? <laughs> you can really make a nervous if you look over for too long and say, I got this, because she's like, you don't got this, all right? So if you're, if you're from a place that doesn't have a lot of snow, what we had this last week was great for you to come around and just, you know, practice, I mean, I use the other church parking lot to practice your snow driving, so I don't want to pay for a new car for you. God's near the brokenhearted, and he sees your pain. Okay, obedience still has obstacles. If you want to obey God, there's still going to be obstacles. Elijah obeyed, the widow obeyed, and they still had problems. Think about David as a young man when he was told he would be king. Okay, he was a teenager. And the prophet says, hey, you're going to be king. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to be king. And then, okay, go back to your flock. <laughs> Wait, but I'm king. Where's my crown? No, David had to go through a process. David still had to fight a bear. Then he had to fight a lion. Then he had to fight Goliath. And in the whole meantime, he was fighting his brothers. So David had the call, but the timing wasn't right yet because God needed to do something in David to get him to a place where he could actually lead people. And what did David do in the quiet times? He developed his walk with God. He developed his worship time. He played the harp. And he could probably really play the harp. He probably invented the lead guitar. He was probably going by himself out there and the sheep are like, whatever. And he's probably just out there just cruising with his harp all by himself, practicing with his sling, throwing rocks against trees. Why? Because what you do in the private time is eventually going to reflect in the public time. And that can preach both ways. God is preparing you in the darkness for the public thing that's going to happen eventually. Your worship has to be prepared on your own. And when we come together Sunday, it's just an expression that we do together. Sunday morning shouldn't be the only time we're singing worship songs. Amen? It shouldn't be that only time. It should just prepare us when we come together and worship together. I'm so thankful we live in a state where we can gather together and we can worship Jesus together. Amen? I'm so glad that when we die and go to heaven that there's not gonna be a six-foot social distancing thing in effect. God's not gonna go, yeah, we haven't figured this out yet, so stick six feet apart and... It's not going to happen, amen? We're going to be flying around, and it's going to be great if you're a Christian, okay? If you're not, you need to get saved today. God prepares you, okay, like he did David, for what's next by what you're going through now. You have to believe that. I'm going through it now. God's preparing me for what's next. I'm getting tumbled down the, the creek of life, and it's not fun, and there's thunderstorms, and I'm bumping into everything, but God's saying, no, I'm just smoothing you up a little bit. I'm smoothing you up a little bit. If you're still rough around the edges and you get married... God will use your spouse to just knock off a few edges, right? Or maybe a lot of edges. And she comes out with you with a hatchet. You know, you got a lot of work to do. So you're better off to, to, to do your own whittling before you get married. Like say, okay, I need to really get my life as smooth as I can because there's gonna be some things that I gotta work on after marriage. And marriage really is kind of a whittling process. In verse 24, this is where we're gonna stop. Now Pastor John, come back up. It says, then the woman said to Elijah, look, your son is alive. He gives the son back. And the woman said to Elijah, key phrase, now I know. Now I know. I wasn't sure before, Elijah. I know, I know we had all those meals together and I know you talked about how great God was and I know that I kept getting flour out of the thing and oil out of the jug and I know somehow that kept happening but I still wasn't sure about this God of the Hebrews. I wasn't sure about this God of the Israelites. I, I, I kind of believed you, but I wasn't positive. And now she's like, now I know that your God is the true God. Now I know that the God that you serve is the true God. Again, a woman that was most likely not a Hebrew, where she lived and how she said, the, the Lord, your God, she, her phraseology was, was like, yeah, it's your God. And now she's like, now I know who God is. And what we don't know, the thing that drives me crazy about the Bible is it doesn't tell you, like Pastor John said, we don't know the rest of the story. We don't know who this young man grew up to be, but did he grow up to be some evangelist saying, man, when I was a little kid, 
this wild, crazy, hairy guy came and there was food and we were going to die. Mom said we were going to die because she was going to get sticks and we were going to make this bread and we were going to die. It was our last meal together and my mom was all bummed out. And she brings this crazy guy home, which wasn't cool because my dad just, it, it, I just didn't know. But the conversations we had at dinner and, and when I sat on his lap and he told me stories and all of a sudden I, saw, I started seeing something. Maybe the, the gods that my mom served, they, they weren't like this, but this God that he talked about, Oh, did I mention that I died and I got brought back to life? See, God is the expert at bringing what's dead back to life, spiritually. Dreams, hopes, things that have just been on the shelf, that God will bring those things back to life. But what do we gotta do? We gotta be willing to let go of what is to grasp what can be. And we gotta let God do it in his time. Can't be rushing God. Don't be rushing God. You rush God, bad things happen. The story of... Abraham and Sarah, God says, I'm gonna give you a son. Didn't happen in her time frame. She says, here, have my maid servant. Okay. That didn't make sense at all. What kind of a woman would say, here, sleep with my maid servant, have a kid for me. Um, but whatever, back then it's, you know, it was, it was kind of acceptable because uh, he married her. It made a mess of things and they're still fighting today. So you often won't understand the why until you're obedient to the what. So maybe you need to take a picture of that. <laughs> you, you often won't understand the why until you're obedient to the what. This widow didn't know 100% that God was who he said he was or who Elijah said he was until this miracle happened. So faith is obeying what God has called you to do without knowing the details of the what. See, what God does want from me in this situation is a few things. Number one, he wants obedience. He wants us to obey when he says to obey. My granddaughter is still, she, we call her the great negotiator. She is. I'm writing these, I have, they're called Kayla quotes, and I, I type them out as she says them. Case in point, Friday morning, Lauren, her mom says, do you want some oatmeal? She says, no, I want cookies for breakfast. You want oatmeal? No, I want cookies. And she's dead serious. I want cookies. You're not getting cookies. Isn't it weird how we can tell a kid they can't have cookies, but then they have cookie crisp cereal? Seems kind of hypocritical to me, but whatever. I mean, right? And, and, and she's like, she wants to negotiate. Kayla, do this. Well, actually, I want, no, there is no actually. You're five. No, this is, this, is, this is what's going to happen because she's at that level where she's questioning what you tell her. She's pushing everything, seeing how far she can get. She can't get near as far with grandpa as she can with her mom. She can't. Why? Just to how it is, right? Somehow grandparents have this maybe a little more sternness. Now, for some of you, it's reversed. So you give your kid, grandkid everything they want. Got to get a witness in the house, right? You say, oh, I'm going to spoil them and send them home. But, but that's, not, that's not where we're at. We can't be known when God and Jesus are talking about us as the great negotiator. We can't have God say, no, I told Stan to do this. Jesus, he's just questioning. He, he wants to do it his way. I don't want to be known. I want it to be known as, as Stan the obedient. Like when Stan, when I told Stan to do this, then he just did it. He didn't ask me a bunch of questions. He didn't ask me why, 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 why. It was, Lord, I trust you, so I don't get it, but I'll do it. That's what God wants from us. Wouldn't it be great if all of our kids were like that? Like you just asked them to do something, like, sure, right now, I'll get it done. Yeah, no, you know, be like, have heart attacks, all right? You'd be like, what? But wouldn't that be great? Okay. Don't worry, they'll grow up and have children of their own and have to fight the same battle. And you'll smile all the way. And that's when you spoil their grandkids and send them home with lots of sugar. He comes back. That's the best amen I got all day. So God's timing for my life, okay? He wants you to obey. Number two, he wants you to trust. He wants faithfulness from you just to, just to keep going, keep going, keep going. The fourth one is important to me. It's help someone else in their need. To see people that need help and just help them. That's how my, my mom and dad have been. They see people need help and they just help them. Just help them. Because God will reveal himself to other people through you, Christian. That's how he reveals himself. He reveals himself mostly through people, through Christians. So let us be the best example that we can be. God revealed himself to this widow by, by, by Elijah's obedience. Amen. Isn't it a great story? Of just a man and a woman who just want to do what's right and how God brought this woman to himself through what Elijah did. 
And there's somebody in your future that needs to know Christ. And you're really going to be the only avenue, okay, that God will use through that. And you got to believe that, like, God has a purpose for me, whether it's my neighbor or somebody I work with. God has a purpose. He really does. Now, everybody's going to get at least one chance to serve God. There's nobody going to stand before God and say, I didn't know. Because the Bible says, even by creation, you know there's a creator. Amen. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are you right with God right now? Because that is the most important thing. Okay, throw the message out the window. If you're not serving Jesus, this message means nothing. But you need to be serving Jesus, okay, in order to get to heaven. So if you bow your heads with me real quick, and this is how we do it in our church family. If that's you, I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. You need to understand that. But I do want to know who you are. And so what I do is I just ask if you would just lift your hand up if you need to give your life to Jesus today. If you need forgiveness, maybe for the first time or maybe you've walked away from God and you're so far away from him, you just want to come home. God is there with his open arms. But do you need to make that decision today? And if so, just slip your hand up where I can see it and you can put it down again. Okay, all right, I see hands. All right, several hands. Okay, anybody else? Because here's what we do as a family. Because this is a family thing in my mind is we just pray the prayer of salvation together. And, uh, and if you've given your life to Christ today, just say it and you'll mean it with all your heart. So let's just pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 At least three of you all got saved today. Amen. Amen. Proud of you. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you something. Guys, this is what you did not do. You didn't just join a church. Okay? You just didn't get religion. Okay? You just got forgiven. Amen. And that's what matters. You got forgiven. Amen. That's a great thing. Now, we have a Bible. We have a new, it's called a New Believers, but it's a handbook. Like, okay, I just became a Christian, what do I do now? Um, Pastor Chase is the information booth when we dismiss. Uh, go back and get one of those. Um, get the cup. It'll make you holy. <laughs> Everything you drink out of this turns into holy water, especially if it's highly caffeinated coffee. Um, here's another thing you learn about me, and I'm serious about my walk with God, or I'm serious about having fun as a Christian. Amen. If we can't laugh anywhere else, if we can't laugh in church, get another preacher. <laughs> Amen. Because the fruit of the spirit number one is love the second one is what joy okay so that's why we have fun in church I believe that Jesus was always probably Jesus probably had the best one liners ever amen but just this is your beginning point this is your beginning point okay got eternity taken care of now we work on us amen so that's great well Pastor let's sing a song and uh, again he'll still dismiss you and thanks for coming